Welcome everybody back to the show. You're on Fan the Flame podcast. I have a special guest on tonight. He is uh, a brother of mine. He's also family by blood, uh, the blood of Jesus and family heritage. Um, he he holds a spot on the show called The Office. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Um, Michael Scott. Um, he's he's with me tonight. Wait a minute. That's that's not right. That's a whole di- that's a whole different Michael Scott. We're not promoting. We're not promoting the office. No, uh, my cousin Michael is on with us tonight, guys. And I'm elated because um, we're, we're going to be diving in deep tonight. There's going to be uh, a discussion had right here on this show that a lot of people dodge. Um, few are, I think few probably are willing to really go deep into if, if we're honest and find out the root cause and, and just kind of dig to figure out why it's such um, or can be such um an epidemic in, in marriages and in relationships and in personal integrity. And, um, I think that if not stewarded well, um, it, it can ruin, um, it can ruin us as people and, um, as followers of Christ and into a place of just self-deprivation and, um, and steward probably, um, maybe the, maybe a different language to be used, but, um, this is something that I, I do believe um, if, if your kids aren't ready to hear this, uh, this podcast, I, I just ask that you tune them away. Maybe, maybe catch this um, with your spouse or alone, because we are going to go into um, the topic of por- pornography um, tonight. And um, I really want, I want the right, um, I want the right spirit behind it. And I want it to be, um, motivated and, and moved out of a place of complete humility for both of us. And, um, it's not an easy topic guys, it, but it's something that needs to be talked about. And I, I am so elated to see God's grace on this and, and, and on Michael's own personal life, my own personal life and where God has really taken the enemy's stick and beat him with it, um, over what he's tried to hold men and women down with this isn't just an issue with men it's 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 at large everybody and we're going to talk about stats tonight we're going to talk about some of those things but i want it to be real and raw and i want it to be a place where people can find refuge if they're dealing with that or maybe they know somebody that's doing that maybe they've come out of that um but yeah pornography is a real thing and it's and it's a real issue and so michael bro uh i want to just thank you first of all for coming on tonight and just sharing your heart on this topic um it's, it's not an easy thing to talk about. And so I, I, I appreciate you. I love you. I covet your prayers. You and I are constantly praying for each other and each other's ministries. And so I love you, bro. Um, let's dive in, man. What's your thoughts? Yeah, dude. Thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, I, I value your uh, wisdom and your thoughts on things so much as we, I feel like I'm calling you every other day or maybe not quite that often for advice on things, but yeah. Uh, thanks for, thanks for having me on. I was, uh, I was at a conference, uh, for youth and young adults. I'm a youth pastor, um, where I live for junior high and high school students. So we took some students to a conference and one of the breakout sessions that I chose to go to, well, there was two actually, one was the title was God created sex. Why? And so I sat through that. And then the next one was pornography. Is it really that big of a deal? 
And so I just, man, I came away with so much information from those breakout sessions. And then later that night we were in the general session, you know, the whole, the whole conference was together and we were singing this song called stir a passion. I don't know if you know that song, mm -hmm. stir a passion, mm -hmm. but it's uh, just crying to, out to God saying, God, stir a passion in my heart and let it overflow. And the, the pornography stuff was fresh on my mind. And I just clearly heard the spirit say, this needs to be part of your mission. Like wow. you have passion for this. You have a past with this. Um, and you need to be one who um, makes this part of your mission in life. And so, um, yeah, from there, I mean, I've, I've spoken on the topic. I'm by no means an expert um, on anything, really. Um, but uh, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called, right? And so mm -hmm. I think and uh, I'm willing. And so hopefully God can use that. And, and, and I believe he can. But um, yeah, man, it's uh, I always like to start with um, like you mentioned some statistics, like because mm -hmm. that's something we talked. I remember being talked about in that session. Is it really that big of a deal? And um, yeah, it, it's crazy. So um, I don't have all my sources here, but I'll just kind of hit a couple of things. Sure, if that's sure. Um. Every second, over 28,000 people are watching pornography online. Every second, 28,000. Um, every second, uh, over $3,000 is spent on internet pornography, either, either to consume it or to produce it. Um, every day, um, 37 pornographic videos are created in the United States. So this, this day, there were 37. Wow. Um, Two and a half billion emails are sent every day containing porn. Um, some some stats on how people perceive porn, like what they think about it. Um, 55% of adults 25 and older believe that it's wrong, which means 45% of adults uh, don't see it as morally wrong. 31% um, of people from the ages 18 to 24, so that young adult range, mm. believe that it's bad for society. So on the flip side of that, 69% don't think it's bad for society. You, you, um, said, you said 16 to 24? What did you? 18, what, what, 18 yeah. to 24. Okay. Okay. Believe it's bad for, for society. So the overwhelming majority don't see it as a bad thing for right. society. We'll talk about society. Right. Um, porn in the church? Um, man, I heard an interview with a guy one time who came out of being a pornography producer. And he talked about how they a lot of times they would make videos that were uh, kind of tailored to Christians mm. um, because this was his words. I remember this clearly. Uh, they're all just a bunch of hypocrites. So yeah. let's give them something to be um, hypocritical about even more, I guess. Right. Wow. Which I'm so blown away by that. Like they're making wow. this their target audience as Christians. Mm. Um one in five youth pastors and one in seven senior pastors use porn on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. uh, this is all actually from a from a uh, organization called Covenant Eyes. Mm -hmm. um, Forty three percent of senior and youth pastors have struggled with porn in the past. Sixty four percent of Christian men say they watch porn at least a month, at least once a month. Mm -hmm. um, teens and porn, um, and this is just this is this is a twenty. 
2018 study, so it's probably even worse now, but 26% of teens receive sexually explicit images via text. Mm-hmm. And that's probably, I mean, more kids have phones now and 14% sure. those. Um, and here's, I'll end with this one. The, the average first exposure to porn among men, boys is 12 years old. Mm. That's the average age um, when someone will first um, see their first pornographic image or video. And so to say that it's not a big deal, um, you we could argue the moral right or wrong of it, but to say that it's not a prevalent thing in our society we're we're fooling ourselves mm-hmm. it's everywhere and it's worse now than it's ever been because we're carrying around these computers in our pockets mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. not just laptops it's not it's definitely not just magazines anymore um but we can we've got access to it whenever we want however we want whatever we want to see um yeah it's a it's the real pandemic. I know COVID is kind of in the rearview mirror, but I think that this is because, you know, you think about issues facing our society today and a couple of years ago, that would have been COVID, but we've got so many other issues that um, our country faces, um, but they're all so talked about and so well. And this one is not talked about and not well known. And, um, and because of that, I think that it's it's more um, it's more of a I don't know emergency type situation that it that it gets talked about because um, it's just not not talked about. So sure, and I I think that just to kind of piggyback that, like it's not talked about because it's not talked about till it's quote unquote needed to be talked about, right? I mean, a pastor gets exposed, somebody in leadership gets exposed whatever the case may be, a teacher gets exposed, uh, whatever the case, looking at something on the internet, they shouldn't, you know, uh, or sending something they shouldn't. Um, that that's, it, it's such a taboo topic. Like nobody wants to touch it because I think in their reality, people don't look at stats like that because they don't want to believe that that's the reality. And that's a dangerous place to be. And it, it, we were just praying before we jumped on here tonight. And I think if I want to say one thing to start the next paragraph or however long I speak is that Jesus is not scared of those places. He's not scared to go into those places and, and deliver obviously people from those places. You and I both have had the struggle with pornography. Like I don't have a problem admitting that's part of my testimony because I don't live there anymore. And, but even people that have been freed from it, I think on some level are scared to talk about it like people even that have been delivered from it they still might leave that part out of their testimony like because it's just not talked about in the church it's not i mean we're not talking about it in other groups why would we talk about it in the church and i i think i shouldn't paint every church with that brush because i'm sure there's some there i know there's some amazing deliverance ministries from pornography like i i i've seen them um but what do you think is, you know, what do you think's the main reason why that that's hidden in the dark? I mean, I, I have my my biblical view of it. I have my own thoughts on it, which I hope line up with the Bible. But I think, um, you know, it's like the garden scene that 
Adam and Eve didn't even know that they were naked, right? They had no clue what that meant until sin came. And then what's it say? They realized they were uncovered. And so when things become uncovered, what's the first thing that they did? They went and hid, right? I, I don't think this is any different than that bird's eye view to be a bird in the garden to look at what happened. It's the same thing. And so men and women alike, it's just something that, you know, you're not going to come out in society or or on Facebook or Instagram and say, hey, I have a problem with porn. Like, it's just hard to it's hard to grasp that some, you know, that that um, people would do that. And so what are your thoughts on that? You know, as you know, as well, like, why do you think it's such a topic that's been swept under the rug or not talked about? Yeah. Um, first word that comes to mind as, a bit, as I've been listening to you just now is shame. Like um, shame is a downward spiral um, that just creates more shame. <laughs> I mean, is I think how that works. And so, yeah, before we even get into specifics of porn, um, I want to say um, none of what we talk about is meant to make you feel ashamed of yourself. Yes. Amen. Whether current struggle or a past struggle. Um, Guilt and shame are different. The Holy Spirit can make us feel guilty, can convict us of sin, which leads us to repentance, right? God's kindness is meant to lead us to repentance. Yes. Um, shame does the opposite. Shame leads us farther and farther down the path of, um, of sin. And so, yeah, it, it's hard to, to talk about something of which I'm ashamed. And so... Uh, yeah, that's kind of the the first thing that I think about when when we talk about why is it kind of swept under the rug or not talked about. Um, and then another thing, just, I don't know, sexual topics are just uncomfortable in, I don't know, like from, a, from the pulpit, I guess, that could make a lot of people uncomfortable. And a lot of times we don't want to make people uncomfortable, mm-hmm. even though. Some of our greatest growth can come when we're made uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those two things I think probably would be uh, what I what I how I would answer that is just man shame, and then uh, people don't like to be uncomfortable, so we kind of avoid the things that make people that might make people uncomfortable. But for sure, for sure, man, and I I agree with that a hundred percent. I'm glad you brought that up because yeah, we, we're not. We're not over here throwing stones. We have no thrown. We have no stones to throw. <laughs> but I, I love, I love the fact that if you are in that right now, like if you're feeling that shame, I, I just want you to know there's, there's tremendous grace, and he's, mm-hmm. he, he really truly desires us um, to live under that covenant of grace. And that's what God. Um, that's why Jesus had to go to the cross for us. And so, yeah, if, if it is an issue for you, um, man, reach out to one of us. I, I've learned so much just from your testimony. I think it, it's been five years now since I heard, maybe, has it been that long since I heard that message you spoke? Close. Yeah. I mean, that years ago. So I, I was so blessed by that message. Like I, I wanted to share it with everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and I learned real quick that, you know, that those messages were on lock, which is probably a good thing because I was like, hey, you need, you know, and 
You know, the reality is, you know, um, like you said earlier, when you stay in that shame, it just creates more, more shame and then more sin on top of sin. And then, then the shame becomes more. And then, you know, before you know it, you're you're in a place of a downward spiral where you don't even think you can get out. And I think a lot of people are in there and, and and it's, it's with, it's with addiction in any sense, whether it's alcohol, whether it's drugs, whether it's pornography, whether it's theft, whether it's pride, whatever, whatever that addiction is like, that is what it creates. It just creates such a space for shame to come in and still kill and destroy every bit of joy that the Lord wants to institute into your life. And I think that's what the enemy is banking on when he can keep people in shame, because you know, as well as I do, everybody who comes to the knowledge of Christ Jesus, repents of their sins and becomes a follower of him has a ministry, has a mission. God has now put them on path to do something for him, something extravagant for him. Maybe we look at it as small, but I don't think he always, always does because he sees the bigger picture. And I think if the enemy can keep us in a place of shame, then we can't fulfill that purpose. And so I'm glad you brought that up. That shame word um, is huge. And, and you're right about it not being talked about, you know, behind the pulpit as much. And I, I remember when I was pre- when I was preaching over in Buckland, I had and, and I and I do believe I missed this, and and I do believe that the Lord really wanted to do this, and I just didn't get around to it. But I wanted to send all the kids downstairs at one point and have an hour and a half and two hour discussion on sex and mm-hmm. on the function and on how God how how God created it and how it's a good thing you know, when done in the right uh, mm-hmm. manner. And I just never did. I don't, I don't know. I, you know, I'm not one to really shy away from controversy. So maybe I just had forgotten about it or something, but you know, I, I don't want to say I was scared to do it or whatever, but, but I, I just never did for whatever reason. And I, I really wish I would have now I look back and I'm like, whether two showed up that day or 200, it would have been a good topic to like, Hey, this is the reality and everything that I think that we talk about that we want to bring to light on this podcast or in life, it's because we want to see people free. That's my heart. I want to see freedom because you've experienced it. I've experienced it. And now that has become a passion in our hearts to see others pursue the same freedom that we have been able to get through the grace of Jesus. So for sure. Yeah. Satan deals in shame. God does not. Right. Amen. Jesus, uh, he, he took our shame. And so, um, the only, I mean, the only way to defeat any struggle with any sin is through the power and the blood of, of Jesus. And so this is no different. And maybe you've tried a million different, you've tried accountability partners, you've tried filters on your, and none of it works. Um, and maybe you have even tried to rely um, on the power of Jesus, and it's still a struggle for you. Um, I, I just think, yeah, again, before we jump in, the only the only way uh, to dig out of the of the hole, like you said, of of shame is through man, the power of the blood of Jesus. Uh, that's the only thing that's got that's got that kind of power. And so, uh, yeah, I'd invite you to just continue leaning into that, continue relying on that, and. Uh, yeah, where should we, where should, what do you think? What? Sorry, I didn't hear that. I was just gonna say, where should we start? Where should we start with the? Um, with the, I I had I had in my head just kind of um, 
what it what like the physical or mental mm-hmm. thing that it does to your brain like <laughs> that i don't think people realize i mean i can remember one of the first times i viewed it and mm-hmm. it's like embedded in my brain and if i'm not careful i can stay there too long you know and and in that shame place like you know gosh you know because because we can pray those things like god why haven't you taken that thought away from me there's so many other thoughts that you had that i i can't even remember that i know that you've covered and i know you've covered this one but what keeps me like what psychologically let's just start there what psychologically happens to your brain when you view pornography because that's one of the things that i took from your testimony in your in your preaching that day was i did not know that and it made so much more sense to me so let's yeah. just jump over on that for a moment if if you if you can yeah i'm not a psychologist um <laughs> me neither <laughs> but uh um i've talked to some psychologists uh and uh they have affirmed these these things as true um as far as the human brain goes but uh Man, it's all there's and I could I'm going to make myself sound way smarter than I am, but neural pathways and dopamine. So, like, imagine um, imagine you're on a hike in the woods. Right. And there's often this path that you can walk down. Like it's there's grass and, and vegetation all around it. But this path is just dirt that you can walk down or rock or whatever. At one point in the history of the world, that path wasn't there. It was just as green as any other part of wherever you're at. But people walked down that path and walked on it and walked on it enough that it became what we call a beaten path, right? Where the grass and everything died. And it's just this nice path to walk down. And there's a similar thing happening in our brains. Anytime we do anything uh, pleasurable, there's a a chemical uh, called dopamine that gets released brain anything anytime you do anything that you enjoy man when you listen to a great song dopamine is released when you eat really good food dopamine is released when you have sex it's a big dopamine releaser in your brain and god created us to god created our brains to work that way right Mm -hmm. and uh we might get to this a little bit more in a minute, but like that's where the addiction piece comes from. So like when you do drugs, it's an overload of dopamine being released in your brain um, to the point where you just want to do it again and again and again and again. Right. And if that's happening when we have sex with our spouse, we are literally becoming addicted to our spouse. Mm-hmm. And what like I think when you think about it that way, it's like, of course, God designed it that way. Like he wants us to be one women, one woman, men mm-hmm. and one man, women like that. Mm-hmm. That's our person. And I'm becoming addicted to her. And that's my standard of beauty. Right. Right. Man, what what Satan has been doing from the beginning. I, OK, so the pathway piece. Right. Um, the path to sex, I think, is kind of meant to be long and wind a long and winding road a little bit Mm -hmm. um where we are just kind of going about life you know we're we're living and working in the kingdom and then we we meet uh our spouse and we become engaged and then we get married and then that's when we finally reach that destination so to speak of sex right and i think from the beginning satan has been seeking to shorten that path Mm -hmm. any little way that he can 
where, no, it doesn't need to be a spouse. It can just be a boyfriend or a girlfriend, just have sex with them. Mm-hmm. By the way, I hold to uh, what I call a traditional Christian sexual ethic, um, where God created sex to be used and enjoyed within the bounds of a monogamous marriage between a man and a woman. Anything outside of that um, is pornea, sexual yeah. sin. Amen. Um, and so Satan um, wants to shorten that sex with a boyfriend or girlfriend, or it doesn't even have to be a boyfriend or girlfriend, just go out, have a one night stand or mm-hmm. prostitution, like all these different ways that he is shortening that path to make it more appealing and to make it easier and more accessible to us. And man, porn is the shortest, easiest path that we have to sex with the least resistance, right? My phone is never going to tell me no. <laughs> I can go out and I can get shot down at the bar, but my phone is never going to tell yeah. me no. Right. And so it's easy. It's accessible. Um, and so what happens, man, this is crazy, too. Um, again, I'm going to sound way smarter than I am in real. <laughs> but there was a guy. His name was Nicholas Timbergen. Sorry, I'm trying to find my. That's fine. Yeah, that's good. Nicholas Timbergen. He was a biologist and he was studying something called supernormal stimulus. Um, which is a fancy word of saying we take something normal and then we enhance it to make it super normal. Mm. And so he did this study with butterflies, actually. Uh, This is crazy, where he had a bunch of male butterflies and he put them in a cage or something. And then he introduced into their environment fake female butterflies that were made of plastic or cardboard or something. But he had taken the features of a normal female butterfly and enhanced it. He made the colors brighter. He made the wings bigger. He made the lines a little bit sharper. Just, it was like a normal female butterfly, but enhanced. And he put it in to the environment and the males tried to mate with the fake ones. Okay. And he left them in there for a while. And then a little bit later, he put females, real females into that same environment. And the males ignored the real females and still tried to mate with the fake ones. Wow. And porn does the exact same thing. It is a super normal stimulus. Real life men and women don't look like this, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Real sex doesn't look like this. Mm-hmm. But they have taken something that God created to be beautiful and be used for worship. We could talk about that too. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they've enhanced it and they've blown it up to be um, more than... Um, It really is. And so what happens back to the brain piece is you go down the porn path enough over and over and over again that your brain starts to create to equate pornography and sex. They're the same. Mm. And your brain prefers porn to the real thing, just the way that those guys settled for the the counterfeit Mm. as opposed to the real. And so, and this is true. I mean, so many testimonies of men, married men, um, and women too, right? Like you said at the beginning, I, I'm a male, so I tend to just say it that way, but it's, it's a issue for men and women both, but, um, where married people prefer porn to an actual physical sexual relationship with their spouse. And you can see how marriages crumble because Mm of that. But, uh, yeah, those are kind of the basics of of the brain. We could we could go a lot deeper into that. Um, but uh, I yeah, dude, that's 
it's huge because like and and I think that we need to realize too that, that the devil can't create anything. All he can do is try to make a counterfeit of what God has created. Yeah, now, yeah, yeah. now we know from Romans one that like people can create new ways to sin, so to speak, but we know that nothing is new under the sun to God. Um, but it's new to them, but it's not new to him. So the sure. enemy, the enemy can't recreate the, all he can do is, is try to recreate what God has already done. So the thief comes to kill, still and destroy. He, he comes to still kill and destroy truth. You know, um, the truth about sex, this topic that we're on tonight. And he wants to distort our view in such a way that he believe that we believe it that way is the right way. It's like with the butterflies. All you have to do is doll something up into a way that it's going to be pleasing to the eyes because the eye is the lamp to the body, right? If you keep that light, you know, pure, then your whole body will be pure. But if you're looking at something that's false mm -hmm. and you're attracted to that falsehood of that thing, sooner or later, you're going to make the decision in your own mind to chase something that is outside of God's design for you. And yeah. that's where all those things that we talked about earlier come from, guilt, condemnation, shame, all those things. And so, um, I would, I would say, Scott, I think that everything God created, he created to be used for worship. Mm. And Satan has taken the things that God created them, God created and twisted them to be used for sin. Yes. And I and think sex is the exact thing. The, that is, uh, that is so true. That is so true because he wants the attention on him. Yeah. I mean, he, he wants to be worshiped. And so if he can't, if he can't, um, what's the word I'm looking for? He, if he can't recreate something that God has created for good, he's going to do everything he can to distort it yeah. and, 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 and change the direction of the narrative, so to speak. I mean, if that, if, if that's really what we want to say, he, he wants people to be looking at him instead of looking at the truth. And <laughs> sex is no different. He, yeah. God created it for good. He created it for, and I, and I hold the same, we've talked about this a million, multitude of times. I, I carry the same values you do when it comes to sex. Um, a biblical eye view, uh, one man, one woman for life. Um, now, obviously things happen and yeah, death happens, stuff, stuff that we have no control over. And yeah, obviously you're, you're fully capable to go remarry if, if something like that happens. But you know, it's, I think the, the, the function in marriage is so important to God, the family value that yeah. God honors in covenant with himself is so important. Why wouldn't that be something that the enemy wants to steal? And why wouldn't he do it with pornography? Why wouldn't he do it with sex outside of marriage? Why wouldn't he do it with, you know, um, any sexual sin, whether it's homosexuality or bestiality or, or trans or whatever the case may be, why wouldn't the enemy want to get us to second guess? Did, did God really say I couldn't do this? You know, is this outside of his design for my life? And if so, you know, why? Cause this is fun. This is, you know, like this is fun. And, and guess what? There's sin. That's fun in the moment. Mm -hmm. But there's always a repercussion. It, it always sin. I say it like this. Sin always over promises and under delivers every time, no matter what it is. And so I, I love I love that that litter, that understanding of the butterflies, man, because that just makes so much more sense to me on how 
we we view um, because you're right. The, in the videos, the girls doll. I mean, we've all remembered it from when we were in it. The girls all dolled up. She her body's perfect. You know, even even as far as like treating her a certain way, like physically abusing and doing doing these things. Yeah. Um, Yeah. One more piece kind of on that on the brain. Uh, There's there's something in psychology called, again, the law of diminishing returns. So here's an example. You ever been to an amusement park roller coaster kind of thing? um you you do this roller coaster the first time you do it it's crazy like it's the coolest thing you've ever done and so then you go back and you do it again and the second time it's still great maybe a little bit less exciting and each subsequent time that you go on that same roller coaster it loses its luster right and so you're like okay i'm over that one i gotta go find something bigger better more exciting and porn is the same, does the same thing to your brain. You might watch a video that seems pretty normal. It's one man, one woman, they're having sex. It's not crazy, but before long, that's not going to be enough Mm. for you. And so then you're going to start seeking out, maybe it's one man with multiple women. Maybe they're um, doing something crazy you've never seen before. Maybe you witness abuse happen on screen. Mm -hmm. And at first it's like, man, that's really shocking. Right. Like, but then after a while that becomes normal and then you're seeking out the next thing that is, uh, more, more exciting, more thrilling. And, um, before you know it, like, I mean, you're just witnessing things that you would never, um, or I don't want to speak for you or for anybody, but I would never condone or think is okay. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I need, the more exciting, the more thrill, the more provocative stuff, because my brain isn't satisfied. And so that's how sexual abuse kind of starts getting normalized. And that we'll talk about that more when we get into talking about porn and society as a whole. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a, it's a slippery slope, man, for sure. Well, it, it reminds me of what you're saying about the dopamine release and, and, you know, like the addict having to get his fix or her fix, like, you're always going to need more, you know, you, you may, you may start with an eight ball of meth, but that's not going to be where it stops for you. Like, <laughs> unless, unless that one eight ball kills you, but like, you're going to sooner or later have to have more and it desensitize your brain. I feel like in such a way that maybe it's not even the high you're chasing anymore. It's just, you're trying to get rid of the shame. Mm-hmm. It's like, and and I think that, you know, yeah, it kind of goes with the society talk with it. Um, but like the desensitization, I don't know how to, how to say the word, the desensitization, I don't know the word, yeah. Yeah. Um, where everything's accessible. And it, it's like, there's just no, I don't know, there, there's no realness to it anymore. It's just, it's just this numbness that nothing bothers us. It, it, everything's accessible right here on that computer in my hand. And I can look at anything I want. I can order anything I want. It, there's no functionality between like me having to actually go and do the due process to make it happen. It's just there. And so it's, it's a numbness, you know, and then it, again, you get the false reality of this is the way it's supposed to look. This is what the woman's supposed to look like. This is what she's supposed to do to me, whether it's yep. submissiveness or like, you know, whatever the case may be. And so, 
man, I guess it's tough. It's a tough pill to swallow because I, I'm I'm under the realization that it, you know it's it's a huge deal, man. It really is, and I guess I've always known, and we've talked about it, but just to re relive that conversation, man, it, it's a big deal, and I don't think people realize how big of a deal it is. Yeah, yeah, I think of the brain the brain stuff as being kind of the three foot view, like that's, that's a very personal. And then when you zoom out a little bit, maybe to like the, the three story view, like when you talk about porn and your relationships with people and the damage it, that it, it can do, you know, like you talked about, then, you know, I've, I've seen all these things and then maybe I do get married later down the line and I quickly find out, man, this isn't what sex really is in a marriage or whatever. And, so naturally people get disappointed and like, okay, well, I'll just go back to porn because that's the kind of mm-hmm. stuff that my brain needs. Right. Right. Um, I've heard, I use the term, let your spouse be your standard of beauty. Right. Um, like your spouse, I think God intended your spouse to be like, she's it for me. Right. Like my wife is the most beautiful woman I desire nobody else. She is it. Like she is off the charts. She's the top. And that is a lot easier to have when you go into marriage um, where she's your only one. You know, Mm -hmm. she's the only one you've been with. Mm -hmm. You you haven't been, uh, uh, I don't know, corrupted might be too strong of a term by, by pornography. Um, that's the way God intended it to be, where she is my standard of beauty and there's nobody else. Now, I don't, again, we're not dealing in shame, so I don't say that to say you're tainted for life if you've watched Mm -hmm. porn or if you've had sex before you've been married. Like, I, I don't think that's like in, some people think of losing your virginity as like the unforgivable thing. Like, you can't get that back. And I, purity culture in the late nineties and early two thousands kind of really did a lot of damage in that Mm -hmm. that area. But I I don't say that because I think that the blood of Jesus is more powerful than anything. And so say that something is unforgivable or something that you can't come back from. That's not true. Now I don't, I, I don't want to diminish the harm that can come from that, but to say that you can't come back from it, you and I, I think, are living proof that, yeah, God can redeem that. God can yes. heal your brain over time yes. and make you a one-woman man again or a one-man woman again. Um, and so it's harmful Good. for relationships. It's it's super harmful. In, in any sexual sin, pornography or anything else, is harmful for relationships. But uh, the blood of Jesus is strong enough and powerful enough to to heal you from that and so you don't have to live in that forever it might take a little bit of time like your brain does have to get rewired and reset Mm -hmm. but uh it's not forever it's not something that you can't recover from i guess is what i'm trying to say yeah and 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 immediately i'm thinking of second corinthians 5 17 like for Mm -hmm. anyone who is in christ is a new creation uh the old is gone behold the new has come that's something to be excited about and i and i think that 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 condemnation and that shame keeps us in such a place where we can't believe that we're actually created new and Mm -hmm. it's it's either we're a new creation or we're not paul paul through 
the Holy Spirit is either speaking truth, what Jesus does, or he's speaking a complete lie, and then it discards the whole word of God. And so when we become new creations, I, I don't take that lightly. I take that as I have been made anew. Christ has has made me new. He's re, he's uh, He's given me a, a new spirit. He's given me a new soul. And in some cases, he's even given me a new body. I remember when I was baptized into the spirit, I did not have a hunger for the things of my flesh that I once did. I remember three months out thinking, gosh, I haven't thought about that in a while. I wonder why. But I was also seeking God with such a hunger that I didn't have time. And, and I'm not saying that everybody has that testimony. I feel fortunate and I feel blessed that the Lord has given me the ability to see things you know, about myself in a different, different view than I used to. And so I'm not saying that that has to be your story, but what I'm saying is I think that when we're truly baptized into him and unto him in spirit, that we have, we just have a devout hunger for him. And that some of the things of the flesh just kind of fall off. And here's the thing. I, I, I did not come into my marriage with my wife, pure in heart, you know, mm -hmm. I had multiple partners before her and I don't have a problem saying that now. What I, And so, yeah, there was there was and is sometimes still this this um, here's a bucket and here's a mop. I'm going to help you clean this up, Scott, but I'm going to help you like this is this is God with me. Like here's mm -hmm. here, we're going to clean this up together. I'm not going to make you do this on your own. I'm not going to push you out on the stage and and shame you. I'm going to help you. And so if you're in that place, I think that it's imperative that you know that God will, he does forgive. He does make us new creations. It doesn't mean that he's not going to ask us to work with him to clean some things up. And I love that he actually sees value in me to see me to do that. You know, like, because who else can I, who else can I help that's there too? Like, Oh shoot, you're cleaning that up too. Hey, me too, bro. You're, you're not alone. We're gonna, you know, it's it's gonna be all right. And and so I, I don't know why I felt led to run into that, but like I I'm just truly grateful and thankful for for that whole Second Corinthians 5:17 mindset because that has been a staple in my life. Every time that, that I'm tempted to listen to the lies of the enemy to take me backwards, I'm always speaking that scripture out loud and in his face. Like, no, that's that's not who I am anymore. This this old tent may be here for now, but my spirit is renewed. My soul is is renewed. And, and one day I'm going to shed this old tent and I'm going to be with Jesus like in eternity, even more than we are now. And so, man, I I just feel for people that are in that place, especially, I guess, for Christians, you know, that are struggling with that and holding that over their own heads. Like, God's not holding your sin against you. Like you need to stop holding your sin against you. Like it's, it's under the blood. It's washed. You're brand new. Yeah. Yeah. Walk in that, right. Walk in the newness of life. Yes. Yeah. And which doesn't mean we're not going to screw up mm -hmm. at times, but the, but the, the grace and the mercy is there and it's free and, and praise God for that. Yeah, that that Second Corinthians five seventeen passage. Uh, again, I'm not a biblical scholar, or Greek scholar, but I've heard people talk, people that are talk about the language of their, the language there um, that Paul uses is kind of a progressive language. Mm -hmm. So um, it could be said another way. Um, 
behold, all things are becoming new. Mm-hmm. And so it's of a process. And so, yeah, we have the power of uh, the Holy Spirit within us when we come to faith in Jesus. And I believe that, but that doesn't mean that we're going to just become perfect and sinless right away. Right, right. Process where we're continually becoming new. There's t- there's always things that we need to work on. Um, and so when we do fall short, it's not like, well, I've lost it, right? It's right. Like, no, there's grace for you. And it's a process and, and the spirit is with you every step of the way. Um, mm-hmm. And and so, yeah, again, um, I don't know. I'm just thinking of, of a scenario where someone's listening to this and they are struggling with porn and they come to faith in Jesus. And then at some point they screw up in the mm-hmm. future. That doesn't mean that you've lost it. Yeah. Uh, you are becoming new. Right. Um, and again, like the, the biology of the brain, like God has to have time to work on that. And we have to s- set our minds on things above. Right. Yes. Yes. And uh, not the things of the flesh. Romans eight, those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, set their minds on the things of the spirit. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. We, it is a conscious choice. There is some responsibility on our part. We've got to choose to set our minds on the things of the spirit, not the things of the flesh. Yeah. Um, and it takes time. It's, it's a process. And, and, uh, yeah. I mean, the, I don't know, maybe you disagree with that. Interpretation. No, 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 no. I, I, I think it's, conti- I think it's working out your salvation with fear and trembling in, in a sense that, the the consummation of new spirit new mind with god married unto him us being the bride him being the bridegroom is done like in mm-hmm. jesus that's done there's you can't screw that up sure. you don't have the power to screw that up sorry to tell you uh, but can't out- <laughs> yeah exactly um but the the process with him the the walking with him the because no i hear your heart on that and i and i'm glad you brought that up because that could leave somebody feeling condemned if yeah. if you just leave it at that and hey you're a new creation dude you shouldn't be acting like that you know yeah. like that's not what i'm saying i'm saying like i'm saying what you're saying like if you screw up it's covered yeah go back go back to your first love and in remembering man he he took care of that like I don't have to do that anymore. Like there's some things that I was still indulging in of the flesh when I got born again and not, not like, not like in a way of, Oh, I can, you know, God's grace is sufficient for this. I can just keep doing it. It was a pattern of behavior that I had adapted that, that I think the Lord was asking me to walk through just some pride stuff, you know, that, that he was asking me to walk through that. Like, Scott, you spent years building this, and I want to show you the the process that it that it has, you know, that it takes to get you, you know, closer unto me. And so mm-hmm. I'm willing to walk with you through these things. You know, there's some things that he just shaved off immediately. Like I just didn't have a taste for it anymore. It was like, wow, haven't yeah. thought about that in six months. That's weird, you know. And then there's some things where he really wanted me to kind of fill this weight of heaven upon me that was allowing me to grow into what he was cultivating in me. And, and so as I was walking with him and as, and as he was speaking his truth to me, and as I was reading his word, I'm like, yeah, yeah. I mean, cause there's been those moments where I'm on my knees, like, God, I hate that I do this. You know, what was Paul say? The things that I want to do, I do the things that I don't want to do, you know, 
or the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I don't do uh, or it's not supposed to do, I do. And totally bunched that paraphrasing, but, but it's, it's the same thing with us, right? Like, I think we'd be, we, we, God wants us to become so, um, what's the word I'm looking for? So not just relying on, but so aware of his presence that those moments where we do slip up, it's like, you know, that's just, that's not me. That's yeah. not who I am anymore. And so, no, I'm glad you brought that up, bro. Cause it, it can be, it can be, uh, it can be a lot, you know? And, and I think as we, as we become closer to him, I, I really do believe the closer that we come to Jesus, the less we want of the world. It just doesn't yeah. appeal to us. And, yeah. and so, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I like, I like that. Um, that new creation language is something that's always been yeah. somewhere I can run back to and like, yeah, that is, that is who I am. I mean, and yeah. so I, I love that, man. Um, bouncing, yeah. bouncing to society, bro. Like what, yeah. I think that's kind of what, what we're looking at now. And I want to get your thoughts on this, man. Like, yeah, uh, man, if there was any point that really, uh, man, that really, this, what we're about to talk about here is what really made me want to change this about me, about myself. Um, which is crazy, dude, because I mean, you know, our family and stuff, like I grew up with Christian parents and I knew what sin was and I knew what, uh, I knew who Jesus was. It was, it was a, it was a brain knowledge. It wasn't necessarily a heart or a hands and feet type of deal for me, mm-hmm. but I knew sexual sin was sin. And I knew that I knew what God thought about sin because of what he allowed to happen to Jesus on the cross. Like I knew all these things, but that was, I don't know. I don't know why that wasn't enough to really make me want to stop mm-hmm. using porn. But the society piece, okay, so the brain, I call the 30 foot, or sorry, the three foot view, the relationships, I call the three story view. This is like the 30,000 feet view, right? How does it affect our world? Um, First thing it does, and we talked about this a little bit, um, but it normalizes sexual abuse, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, dude, give me, where is it? I have a stat on that too. I was waiting for this one. I think it's the one I, I think I know which one you're looking at. It's one I remember from your preaching. Um forgive me. Okay. Um oh man. Sorry, I'm on the spot here. It's okay. There's a stat about when sexual abuse happens in a porn video how it is responded to. I can't find it. Um, most of the time, okay, so most of the time when sexual abuse happens, which means one person physically hits another or verbally um, de- demeans or devalues the other person, it's either responded to with pleasure or it's not responded to at all. And so- and This is um, during the act? During the, yeah, during the sexual act on the video, it's either not responded to or it's responded to with pleasure or like positively. Mm -hmm. 
an overwhelming majority. I can't remember the percentage. Somebody actually, I couldn't have done it, but sat down and actually watched it. I don't know how mm-hmm. they did it, but and statted that. Um, and you can see how that normalizes it, like especially to a young, impressionable person mm-hmm. um, who maybe is looking to porn because they think that's the way that they can learn about sex. That's so common too. Mm-hmm. And when they see um, sexual abuse either not being responded to or being responded to positively, they think, okay, this is what girls like. Mm -hmm. They like it when I hit them. They like it when I say these things to them and about them. Mm. Or the girls think the guy likes it when I say this to him or do this to him. And so then they come in a situation where whether it's with a spouse or whether it's premarital sex, whatever, and these things happen and it's not, normal it's not good you know and they learn they might learn quickly um yeah this isn't and so then they turn back to porn because it's normal for them right right um but man that's it normalizes abuse and that that's not necessarily true across the board um as far as like everybody who watches porn is going to go out and become a sexual abuser that's not what i'm saying but it it does make it somewhat normal um and then man the other thing and yeah, this is this was the big one for me is the porn industry fuels the sex trafficking and prostitution industries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, you could you could follow it logically on how that actually happens. But a lot of times you have if, when you're watching a video, you have no idea if that woman is in there by her own will or if she's been coerced or tricked or forced into that room. Yeah which is the definition of sex trafficking. When you coerce or force or trick somebody into a sexual situation, that's the definition of sex trafficking. And so when you're watching a video, she might look like she's enjoying it, um, but she might just be making it look that way because she knows if she doesn't, then something worse is going to happen to her later. And the whole thing's a role play. Yeah. She's in character now, whether she likes it or not. And And so... The thought that every time I click, I am enticing advertisers, right? Because that's how they decide. The advertisers decide where they're going to put their product. Most most porn sites are free. So you might think, you know what? I'm not actually contributing my money to sex trafficking, but you actually kind of are. Because they keep track of clicks. Mm-hmm. And the videos that get more clicks, that's where the advertisers mm-hmm. want to put their product. And that's where the money happens. So when I'm clicking on these videos, I am enticing Mm-hmm. Um, money to be spent on sex trafficking and prostitution. Like it can yeah. be easy forms over here and then sex trafficking and prostitution are over here, but it's actually one big cycle. Yeah, they're together. I'm so glad that you brought that up because if you don't believe that to be true, I challenge you to do something. Okay. If you're on social media, I'm, I'm not challenging anybody to go look up pornography. <laughs> Let me finish. Okay. Uh, <laughs> If you don't believe that to be true, because every marketer's every marketing technique is is basically the same. You have your click funnels, you have all these yeah. other things, but they're they're all based around the same thing. That the, the more clicks that the that you get, the more you push your product to that area. And this is what I challenge people, because I just did this. I was looking up supplements for the gym, and I, I didn't even look them up. There was one ad of this one specific subject, this one specific product that I had been thinking about looking at for the gym. It was like a natural test booster or something like that. I can't remember like 
what it was exactly, but I was like, mm, I'm 40 now. I mean, I need to probably start getting some blood work done and looking at that stuff. And, and so I went over and I, I was like, oh yeah, this is the one I was thinking of. I clicked on it just to see the price, just to see what people are. Every single day since then, that same product has showed up on every one of my social medias, whether it's Instagram, whether it's TikTok, whether, and I'm kind of ashamed to say that I'm on all these, <laughs> whether it's Facebook, uh, I don't do Twitter, uh, but whether it's any of those, the same product, bro, showed up on every single. So if you don't believe what he said is true, yeah, that's not pornography, but it, they do the same thing. They they push it the same way. And here's another thing, bro, that I think people don't realize is that when you're watching porn, you don't know the age of these girls. Mm -hmm. You don't know the age of these guys. If somebody is immoral enough to push a video of degrading women and degrading people, why would they why wouldn't they lie about age? Because like you said earlier, the more you watch, the more risque, the more the that that concept of I don't want to get caught, but it's a game to me now. It, you you got to go to the next thing. It, then it, then it, then it's B, you know BSNM, then it's yeah. teen. This this is a teenage girl and then it's, so you it's never enough and you find yourself in this just deep deep hole of 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 sexual sin that you never would have imagined like you said earlier like i never would have like picked that movie out of all of them but now all of a sudden you know i'm here i heard a testimony of a guy talking about um a lot of times the women are of legal age but they dress and act like they're not like they're underage and he talked about how he can't have a healthy relation like it or it took him a long time to have a healthy relationship with his teenage daughter mm -hmm. because because of all these things that he saw about how teen girls were portrayed mm -hmm. <laughs> and man yeah yeah but dude it's a it's a multi and i don't have i i'm sorry i don't have all Billion. these reasons. i mean it's so you said in dollar a Three thousand dollars a minute is what you said, or something like that. Oh, I can. Yeah, we could do a little bit of math. I was Reset. trying. Three thousand dollars. Okay. Oh, I was no. trying to do that math earlier, but I lost my calculator. <laughs> yeah, I teach it, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're no, closer dude. than me. <laughs> but it's a. Uh, yeah, like when I when I realized I'm supporting sex trafficking by watching this. Mm. Like I couldn't, that was what really helped me put a stake in the ground and say, okay, that, that's enough. Mm. But, and then man, like another thing that uh, the term is endless novelty. It's an endless novelty. Like you could search on the internet for days and not see the same thing twice. Mm -hmm. Like there's so much of it. And, uh, I heard a guy say um, it's a supply response to a demand problem. Mm. So the people who are producing porn are producing it because it's in such high demand. Like people want it. Right. <laughs> they have a strong desire for it. So yes, well, um, I would say, and I don't want to be a judge of somebody's heart, but a pornography producer, like that's an evil act, right? Mm -hmm. To to put that out there for people. But really the problem is within the hearts of the people who demand it so much. Mm -hmm. um, think about it. If, if miraculously everybody just stopped watching 
the industry would die. It would mm-hmm. go away mm-hmm. um, because there's no demand. Mm-hmm. And um, the supply is so huge because the demand is so huge. And so um, there's an organization that I follow called Fight the New Drug. They they kind of attack the issue from a very secular point of view, but they like the brain and the relationships and the society like those points are true outside of what your faith background is Mm -hmm. like those are those points could like i could probably go to a a school and make those points and never mention the name of jesus so i wouldn't get in trouble for talking about jesus in the public school like the brain research the relationships the society like all that and uh, that's actually something that man i'm i would love to like we have drug and alcohol presentations in school why not pornography presentations in school i would i would do that absolutely the industry would die right if the demand Mm -hmm. suddenly went away people just quit Mm. then die and uh dude it's it's so true and and we, we we can look at that at so many different things whether it's alcohol whether it's drugs you know stop buying stop indulging and it dies but there there again we're we're the root cause of all these things is is sin the root cause of it is sin and mm-hmm. the the only answer is jesus and so i think that the I, I love the research that's there i love the numbers because the numbers don't lie i mean things that we have talked about with the facts and the figures and people people are I heard this said, I think Louis Giglio said it or somebody, I can't remember where I heard it, but, and I'll probably mess it up, but he said, you know, the people that go to the bars, the people that go buy drugs, the people, cause I was one of these people like, yeah. and so I'm not condemning anybody. I'm saying that there's, there's absolute grace. There's tremendous grace for anybody. If there's grace for me, I promise there's grace for you. But the people that are, that are addicted to these things, they're all looking for Jesus, but they're looking in the wrong places. And that has changed. Oh, you still there? Yeah, I'm here. I don't know what happened with my screen. Um, you hear me? Yeah, I hear you. I okay. can't see you, though. What the heck happened? Uh, there you are. That was weird. Anyway, uh, the, the people, yeah, they're, they're, they're looking for Jesus, but they're searching in the wrong places. Yeah. And so people like you that have a desire to like, hey, we talk about these things in school. Why can't we talk about this? That's what it's going to take, um, mm-hmm. the boldness of that. And, and, and to see that boldness in your eyes in the last couple of meetings that we've had together, I'm like, yeah. this could be, you know, I, I'm a scale guy. So I'm like, I'm thinking like this could reach a mm-hmm. lot of people. And I think that that's what's going to take in this hour, because I don't know, I, I'm not big on um, end times stuff. I, I, I'm, I'm about building the kingdom. And, and I'm not saying that that's not important. It's just not the vein that God has me navigating through right now. But, you know, I, I think the time is now for so many things like this to be, to come alive because bro, it's not getting any better out there, you know, as well as I do. And I, and I don't, I'm not a doom and gloom, go bury yourself in the sand. I'm going to preach the gospel till my last breath, whether it's in a gym or behind a pulpit somewhere like, doesn't matter to me. Like my job doesn't change, but I think that God is, his really creating avenues in this hour for us to, to move with purpose and passion behind, because why 
he will give you the desires of your heart. That doesn't mean that he's going to go give me the Lamborghini that I want, or I wouldn't pick that anyway. It'd be like a 68 GTO or something, but like, he's not going to do that. He's that, 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 that means he's putting desires in my heart and he put this, he's giving me desires. He's gave, he's given you desires to do these things. And so I, I believe that this is the hour for some of these things to, you know, be stride for stride with Holy spirit. We don't want to try to outrun and, or whatever, but, I, your passion behind this ignites a fire in me that I didn't even know that I needed, you know, it's, it's yeah, good. I, my vision and I've had this thought for a while and I don't know if it would ever work, but would be to, to hook up with a local pastor or youth pastor somewhere that had a connection with a school and say, see if they could get me into a school to talk about the brain, the relationships, and the society piece. And I, I don't even have to talk about Jesus. Mm. And then say, hey, if uh, you have more questions, I'm going to be at so-and-so church tonight, 7 o'clock. Mm -hmm. Come talk to me. Mm -hmm. And then we can talk about the Jesus part, right? Mm -hmm. um, and the shame piece and the freedom from sin through the blood of Jesus. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I don't know if that would ever work, um, <laughs> but I would... I don't know if anybody out <laughs> local pastor, youth pastor with a connection with the school superintendent or principal. You might just, you might just end up more than you asked for. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I love yeah. it, bro. I love our conversations. I love uh, the deep things that we get to pray about. Um, I'm thankful for you. Um, I'm thankful for your ministry. Uh, I'm thankful for man. Like, the Havland area is so blessed to have you like loving on that youth over there. I, I walked in to that place that day that you asked me to come speak and they just, Oh, those kids were such a blessing, man. Like I, I was blessed to see you in your element and you doing what the Lord has called you to do. And a piece of it, man, like this other thing is probably just another piece. I think that we, I think that we, we're okay sometimes with letting God like outside the box that we put him in, but we put ourselves in a box and God's like, I didn't limit you. Why are you limiting yourself? You know, sometimes like, yeah, he's going to tell us to pump the brakes sometimes and stop. And, but I feel like at large, sometimes we, we pigeonhole ourselves. Like it should look a certain way. It should be a certain way. And God's just like, Hey, I'm just kind of asking you to take the step of faith with this and I'll, I'll fulfill the rest of it, you know? So man, yeah. And I, before we kind of wrap up here, I know we got kiddos and I got kiddos. Um, I, uh, I want to say to the husband and wife, this was on my, this was on my heart earlier. I want to say to the husband and wife as well, that, um, if anything that we said in this segment, you know, bothered you in any way about your intimacy with one another, I believe personally, and, and I think Michael believes the same, like God created sex for us to enjoy with one another, to explore mm -hmm. one another, to, to have fun. So we, we aren't in no way, shape or form saying that your, your, your life when the lights go out in your bedroom shouldn't, shouldn't have to be boring. Okay. Mm -hmm. and, and maybe that's just for the, the, the married couple. Cause I know that we're going to get some singles on here that, that listen to this. And so I want to, blanket that with that but like it might be married at something yes yes yeah. it's a beautiful yeah. thing man like it's it really truly is it's the most intimate thing that you can do with your wife physically and 
enjoy it. Enjoy one another. Married couples enjoy one another. So I, yeah. I don't know why I felt led to just kind of release uh, that, but yeah, God doesn't call us to be boring uh, with our spouses for sure. Yeah. And man, yeah, if I could just kind of wrap up with one more thing, we talked about this, um, but just to make sure this is the last word, Jesus is greater, right? Jesus is greater than whatever we face. This included, um, our God is not a God of shame. Satan deals in shame. Mm -hmm. Our God is a God of grace and mercy and forgiveness. And I love the verse that says his kindness is what leads us to repentance, not his, not his, uh, justice or not his grace, not his mercy, not his goodness. He, all, all those things are great and they're big parts of God. But I love that that scripture says that it's specifically his kindness mm -hmm. that leads us to repentance. He's not up there with his arms crossed, shaking his head at you, mm -hmm. trying to get to repent. It's his kindness of sending Jesus to die that death on the cross that you and I deserved so that we can be forgiven. That is some unbelievable kindness. Mm -hmm that is meant to lead us to repentance and repentance from all sin. But tonight, obviously we're talking about sexual immorality through specifically porn. Like his kindness can lead us to repent from those things, not shame, anything else. Mm. Uh, he's a good God. He loves you. He cares for you. Um, and he wants to see you free mm. uh, from sin. And so. Yeah. So good, man. If you heard nothing else tonight, that's what you need to hear. He's a good God. He loves you and he wants to see you free from sin. Like if you didn't listen, if you checked out the whole entire time, that right there, that's it. That's the benchmark. And he is, he's a good father. I, I'm, I'm learning every day how good of a father he is. I think that I've had the wrong view at times of God, you know, that he, that he was a charlatan ready to, you know burn me with a magnifying glass as an ant just running around down here clueless but he's not he that there's that lady i can't remember her name vanessa something she does the portraits she does like the worship portraits and she paints why she's worshiping mm -hmm. there's there's that portrait of jesus going after the one mm -hmm. i i like weep every time i see that because i'm like that's me that is me like in, in the in the in the the lamb is just filthy from head to toe. Like he's been wallowing in mud. He's been gone. He's been no like could have been nights, days, weeks. Who knows? But the picture is Jesus, like tenaciously running for this lamb when when he sees him. And I just man, I I see that and I'm like, oh, I'm a mess every time I see it because I'm like, that's my life, man. And those things, sexual sin, drunkenness, like. Uh, most of probably two thirds of the things in, 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 uh, first Corinthians or second Corinthians, where it says adulterers, fornicators, you know, two thirds of the things that Jesus or that Paul names, I'm like, dang, that was me. But I can look at it now and laugh and go, that was me. That's not mm -hmm. me now. That was me, you know? And I want, I guess my biggest desire is for people to feel that type of freedom where it's like. Yeah, I might mess up tomorrow eight times before noon, but I'm covered. And it's not my goal to mess up. It's not my my goal to, you know, may I sin more that grace may abound. I think this is the only place in scripture where Paul almost cusses, like, by no means, you know, oh. and the, heck no. 
Uh, but like, yeah, dude, it, it's available. That grace is available. We've experienced it. We're still experiencing it, and it is absolutely available for any and every one of you who would who would stumble across this, who are waiting on this. And I pray that just this thing was seasoned with the grace of Jesus, man, just full fledged. So, yeah. Love you, dude. Love you too, bro. You want to pray us out of here and pray for anybody who might hear this or see this? Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. God, we are grateful for uh, this chance to, to connect tonight um, on this podcast. Thank you for Scott and uh, the opportunity that you've given to him to just make you more famous um, through this, this platform. And God, I, I do thank you for um, yeah, this conversation that we were able to have that's uncomfortable and pretty raw. Um, and God, we do lift um, those who um, are struggling with this, those who have struggled with this, those who know people who have struggled with this or are. God, it's, it's just a pornography has such a wide reach in our society. And so none of us are truly immune to it or ever very far from, from it or from someone who struggles. And so God, I pray that you would, um, that you would use this to um, do a mighty work in the lives of people um, that you would make your goodness and your grace and your mercy and your kindness and your love um, just so abundantly clear. Um, and that as we've talked about, we would, we would turn to your kindness and that it would lead us to repentance. Um, and tonight we pray for anyone struggling with porn or other sexual sin, God, that you, they would turn to your kindness from their sin uh, and that it would lead them to repentance, God. And God, we pray that people would seek out brothers and sisters in Christ who they trust um, to have a conversation. I think probably that's the next step is somebody needs to know someone who is a faithful follower of Jesus, who they trust. God, I pray that you would lead them to, to reaching out. Um, and God, that you would receive all the honor and the glory um, for the work that you are doing and will continue to do in the lives of people. God, we love you so much. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, bro. Man, I love you, man. We'll be in touch. I appreciate you. We'll have to do another one sometime. Yeah, dude. Just All let right. me know. Yeah. All right, brother. Have a good night. Amen. Love you, bro.